0: to the granary church podcast we're happy you could join us for more information on the granary church head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the granary church
1: tonight we are we're talking about the lord's prayer and we are up to the part of the prayer where we pray this lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil And when we consider this, uh, what we often consider when we hear of temptation, I believe, is we think of the things that you're not allowed to do. And we have a list, the things you're not allowed to do. And we're saying, and it's like um, I'm being tempted to do certain things and stop me from doing them. I actually believe this prayer is far deeper. And the reason I think this right from the start is that you've got to come from the perspective of who's teaching this prayer and what attitude do they have when they come into prayer. And it's Jesus teaching this prayer. Now often when we come to prayer, we come in desperation, confusion, worry, fear, a whole lot of things that are not the position from which Jesus comes into prayer. Jesus comes into prayer knowing who he is, knowing confidently his relationship with God and knowing why he's in the world. And I believe to to pray well, firstly, and this is why I believe it starts off with our Father in heaven, holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's positioning you to come in knowing who you are, who he is and why you are in the world. If you miss out on the first part of this prayer, you can bring other religions actually into your prayer without realising that you're doing it when you see lead us into, tempta- lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil because you think this is just a list of do's and don'ts and it's far more profound than that. Sometimes I think we come to, to follow Jesus and we just want the list of the minimum entry requirements. What can I... Like, how much can I get away with and still go to heaven? As people say, well, is that a sin? And when we're doing that, we're looking at the list of what you can and you can't do. It's like I've heard people recently complaining that they got fined for driving five kilometres over the speed limit. Have you heard of that? And they're horrified because they said, I thought you could drive five caves over the speed limit. But the fact is whether you do or don't drive 5Ks over the speed limit, say you're driving in an 80 zone, it doesn't say underneath, but you can get away with 85 because it actually says 80. So you shouldn't be that surprised if you get fined for driving over it. But that's how we see life. How far can I go without getting into trouble? That's not what this is talking about actually. There are things that you shouldn't do. I'm not saying there's not things you shouldn't do. I'm saying this is far deeper than this. So this word temptation is an interesting one. It comes from this Greek word parasmos, which means a putting to proof or a trial. So basically some some translations say save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. So it's actually more of a time of you being of proving you. Who are you on the inside? You see, if you were going, sitting for your test, say you're in primary school and you're doing times tables test, okay, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, I don't know, or say you're at uni and you're doing an exam. Have you ever raised your hand in an exam and asked the teacher or the lecturer to come and fill in the answers for you so you could get through it really quickly because you had something else you wanted to do? Like, I'm going out with friends tonight. Do you mind just filling it in for me? And they'll go, I'm not doing the test. This is your test, okay? This is your test. This is not my test. How will we ever know what's in you? And so firstly, Jesus comes with this. He knows why he's here. And 1 John 3.8 says this, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now right at the start of Jesus' ministry, he is baptised. And then it says he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested by the devil, by the Holy Spirit. I do think it's strange that we are human beings, we Christians, sorry, we're human being, human being Christians, we tend to bring other religions into our faith. And sometimes we think that trials and troubles mean that we did something wrong. But all through the scriptures, you will find trials and troubles. And For Jesus, you find that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was led there by the Holy Spirit to be tested. So when you have a test and a trial, if you just think it's something that you can say like to the examiner, come and get me out of this really, really quickly, you miss out on what God's trying to do here. So the Son of God knows that he's come here to destroy the devil's work and he starts off his ministry by being tested because he is God and he is human, and part of it is not just to test him, it's for us to learn as well, that he goes into the wilderness and he is tested and he overcomes the enemy there, and then he goes on because he is going to need to know what it means to be strong and resilient, following the work of the Holy Spirit to get right through to being um, rejected, abandoned, whipped, mocked, cursed, hung on a cross, and die. There's going to have to be a lot of inner strength for that. I know a guy who is um, training for the special forces in the army. He's very high up in intelligence in the Australian army and uh, he has to do things for this training like be dropped into a body of water somewhere with a backpack on and tread water for five hours. He has to be tortured because he knows a lot and if he's captured, will he give in? And he actually does it for you. You don't know him, or some of you do actually, but most of you don't know him. But he represents a group of people who train up like that to protect our nation. And sometimes while you're sitting at home watching Netflix, he's treading water in the ocean for you because he's training up to be fit. Jesus went into the wilderness to train up to be fit to go and do what he was called to do because he knew that he was here to destroy the the devil's work. And it says this in Romans 8. Those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what human nature wants. In other words, normal people do what they think is right and it's not always right. It just feels right at the moment. And um, you you know that sometimes you've made choices, you think it was right to be self-centred and people will encourage you in it and you are actually wrong to do that. But it felt at that moment, it felt really good to tell someone exactly, I'm just going to tell them exactly what I think and it feels really good. But that's what the human nature tells you to do. Human nature tells us to do a whole lot of things because we can't see the world clearly. It's like if you're following your GPS in the car, have you ever um, tried to, for, as, as you've got the GPS saying to you, do this and this and, and you think, no, I think I know a better way. Has anyone ever tried that? And you discover it wasn't most of the times. So I know some of you will have a story, know that I was right, the GPS was wrong. But for the purpose of this example, I have found that the GPS generally knows the way to go. And generally, if it says don't go this way, which I've always gone, sometimes it's because it knows that there is a big blockage up ahead and it's going to take a lot longer to go that way. Sometimes I've driven to Sydney and it will say, you'll be there in two hours and five minutes. And I think, no, I can do it faster than that. Two hours, five minutes. It knows, particularly if I stick to the speed limit, and it it knows. And so it's like this. You think you know how to live a flourishing life. And Jesus has come and says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. And so it says this in Romans. So thinking of it like this, those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what human nature wants. And you can choose to do that. But those who live as the spirit tells them to have their minds controlled by what the spirit wants. So Jesus comes You surrender your life to him. He fills you with his Holy Spirit and then you go on a journey to learn how to listen to his Holy Spirit, to take the word of God and to do everything it says because you trust, just like you follow that GPS, you trust it is going to lead to life even though sometimes you won't want to do what it says. So when you read that it says forgive and there's times you don't want to, you really, really don't want to and sometimes you don't even know how to because you're so hurt by something, but you can call on the Holy Spirit here and he will tell you how to. It goes on to say, to be controlled by human nature results in death, to be controlled by the spirit results in life and peace. And it's your choice. You actually choose which one you will be controlled by. Those who are led by God's spirit are God's children The Spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the Spirit makes you God's children, and by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father. So, what if the trials that you go through are not about a list of what you can and can't do? I would suggest that the things that you can and can't do are because you give in to a deeper temptation. And I would think that the things that we have in our minds that you, you're thinking of now, that can you do this or can't you do this? I think if you can have this deeper this deeper level of following the Spirit, you won't want to do some of the things and you won't worry about this anymore because you'll be following the Spirit of God so beautifully that the fruit of it will be His love, His joy, His peace his patience, his self-control, all these things will start to flourish in your life. So what is it that Jesus is talking about here? I believe when it says, save us from the time of trial, or lead us not into temptation, it's not talking about God tempting you because God doesn't tempt you. In fact, it says in, in James that you're actually tempted by your own desires. That's actually what's tempting you. And we're all tempted by something slightly different. The word hamatia, the Greek word for sin, actually um, in Greek tragedies meant um, the fatal flaw, the fatal flaw that someone has. It's going to be the weakness that is your downfall. In Hebrews 12, it says, let's get get rid of every weight that's holding us back and the sin that so easily besets us, because the sin that besets me is probably different to the one that besets Sam, for instance. We're all different. So we stop worrying about pointing the finger at everyone else. Be totally aware of yourself. And what is it that's going to enable you to win the race of life and to fulfil the purpose for which God has placed you in the world? Now, if you don't know who God is, who you are and why you are here. When you get to this part of praying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you'll have this strange idea um, that you are earning your salvation or a bit of a karma thing that if um, bad things happen to me, I must have done something wrong, which is Buddhism. It's not following Jesus. We bring some of these strange things into our faith, nothing to do with following Jesus at all. Because the scriptures do tell us that you will go through trials. And what if the trials that you're going through are for a purpose? And what if they they're training you up for something greater in this world what if you're put in this planet not just for you to exist and then die what if you put in this planet to actually fulfill the purposes of God to bring his kingdom into this world to defeat the powers of darkness and to do that you're going to have to go through a very strong training regiment and when you give your life to Christ you say I will follow you and he says if you're going to follow me you're going to have to take up your cross In other words, you don't have to die to yourself. There's going to be some big time training along the way. And we Christians often just say, take it away. Jesus did say that. He said, if it's possible, God, when he was, before he was crucified, he said, if it's possible to take this cup away, God, then take it away. But not my will, but your will be done. That's that's the ultimate surrender. Trusting God, trusting his very life with God, and believing that God would raise him from the dead with no power to do it himself because he was dead. Okay, Just after that verse, a couple of verses down, you can read this in Matthew 26, he says that again, and he says this, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken from me unless I drink it, in the message translation it says this, unless I drink it to the final dregs. It's basically saying, is it, is it the only way that this cup will be taken from me is if I drink it to the final dregs? You've got to think about that for a little bit, okay, because it doesn't quite make sense. It's like you're thinking about having your cake and eating it, you know. Hang on, what does that actually mean? Well, the cup can be taken from me if I drink it to the final dregs. In other words, sometimes you've got to embrace it and surrender to the Lord. And that's what Jesus did. And through that, he won victory. And he's saying, will you take up your cross and follow me? Because through this, you will win great victory. And that's why this is very important to understand that saving us from the time of trial and delivering us from evil means when I go through the times of trial, protect me, actually acknowledging that you are weak and without him you can't do this. It's an incredibly important thing to remember. You are weak and without him you can't do this. Like Jesus' friend Peter, he thought he was doing really, really well and he said, I'd never deny you. I'd give my life for you. And Jesus said, well, you actually, you will deny me. No, no, I'd die for you. Next day, denies him. Thought he could do it by himself. Don't think you can do it by yourself. But no, you have a Holy Spirit who wants to transform you and turn you into that amazing person that you were imagining and also to allow you to fulfill the purpose for which you were placed in this world you are not just put here to exist and he sees something in you and he's invested heavily in you he's invested his life in you and he's trusting that you will follow him and so you want to be someone who follows the spirit and to do that like the friend I was talking to you about he goes into that military training you're going into training listening to the voice of the spirit and some of you already remember times when you've heard the voice of the Spirit and you followed it and you saw a great breakthrough in your life and you think, well, that actually works. Does anyone remember something like that? Seeing great breakthrough and you realise this actually works. When I first learned the principle of praising God in all situations, it was really, really hard. It was like treading water in an ocean with a backpack on for five hours or going through torture. But when I actually meant it, I discovered this actually works. But it was training to get there. I had to discipline myself to do it. It actually works. And so what what is the deep thing that the enemy is trying to take away from you? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, there are three things that remain faith, hope and love and the greatest of these is love. And you also read in John 10, verse 10, Jesus said, there's a thief and he comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So understand there is a spiritual battle going on. You are in it whether you realize it or not, you are in it, whether you realize it or not. And there's a thief who's coming against you and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. But there's Jesus who wants to give you abundant life. You choose which one you want. And if you want the abundant life, if that's the one you go, he is giving you the way to become strong. And if you look at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, you'll see what he did. So the first thing is the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, till these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If only coming through a t- time of trial was that simple, okay. Have you ever gone through a time of trial and you just thought of a verse, God will never fail me or forsake me. That's oh, all right, I'm over it now. I'm good. It's not always that simple because we're not God. Put this in perspective. Jesus had had nothing to eat for 40 days. Now, I've seen people who have had nothing to eat for one day and they think they're going to faint. Okay, so 40 days is a long time. And uh, he would have been very hungry. In fact, it says in the Bible he was actually hungry. And he quotes Scripture. This is a very important thing. This is why I said to you, what do you do to pass an exam? You know the facts. And what you need to do to pass this is you need to know what the Word of God says and you need to know the character and nature of God. And you actually have to do it. One of our, um, our parts of our strategic plan for this coming few years is um, to enable us all to have a great understanding of the Bible. Now as I've been thinking about this, how do we get there? Um, I thought, okay, you get about a half-hour message, just going over at the moment, but we'll say half-hour um, roughly every Sunday. So if you come to church every week, that gives you 26 hours, just over one day out of 365 where you get some training in the Word of God. If you go to Connect Group once a fortnight, you get a little bit more. Okay. If you are passing the exam of life, I would say you want more than two days training out of 365. What are you going to do with the rest to make sure you do well in life? It's up to you because the people who actually know the word of God, they got into it. They said, Jesus gave his life for me. I'm here on the planet for a purpose. I'm going to know it so that when I face the time of trial, not if I do, I'm going to be ready to have the victory in this situation and I'm going to come out of it with something really good. When you gather each week, you are doing that for yourself. You're training up. When you sing these songs of worship, they go in your head. Do you find they go in your head through the week? And when you have a time of trial, big or little, there's something there in your head that, oh, that's right, I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm going to remember that as I go into that this week. It's, it's amazing what you can learn from coming here for an hour and a half every week that will constantly build you up to prepare you for what it's the time of trial is not just to make not to let make life hard for you, it's actually to bring you into the fullness of life so that you can strip off everything that's holding you back and become the person that you're called to be. And so what I would say would happen, say if you've ever been through a really hard time, like say 40 days of not eating, if you've ever been through a really hard time and it seems to go on and on and on and you feel yourself getting weaker and you don't know when the answer is going to come, has anyone ever been through a time like that? Has anyone not been through a time like that? And what do you start to lose? I find I start to lose hope. I start to lose hope that God actually hears me. I start to lose hope that he's going to answer my prayer. Hope starts to go. Remember I said 1 Corinthians 13, 13, what are the three things that remain? Faith, hope and love. Hope starts to go. When the enemy starts to take away your hope, you start to be defeated. And when the enemy takes away your hope, that's when you do the other things that you shouldn't do. It's because your hope went. And we can often point fingers at people who are doing things we think that's not a very good thing for you to do. But what we don't say is how can I build up their hope? They lost their hope. If they, if they had hope, they wouldn't be trying other things. But they lost hope. So we want to come back to the Lord and say in our time of trial, don't let me lose hope. Let me keep looking to you. May my my hope stay strong. And then it says, The devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple, and he said, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It's also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Jesus has the word of God planted firmly in his heart, and he speaks it out because that's his sword. It's called in Ephesians 6, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. And when he says the, this story about um, don't put the Lord your God to the test, it comes from a story in the Old Testament. So we have the Israelites and they were slaves in Egypt and Moses came and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go, big story. They come out of Egypt, they uh, cross the Red Sea, the sea parts, miraculously they get to the other side, they're on the way to the promised land, God provides for them all the way and then They run out of water. Now, have you ever done this? Before we we sort of look at these Israelites and say, this is so silly. But have you ever seen God do great things in your life and then you hit a problem and you start saying, where's God? Has anyone ever done that? And you forget all the good things that he's done before. What, What happened now? I don't even know if I believe he exists anymore despite the fact he's done really good things before. And, and what it says about this, when they set up camp in Massah, there was no water and the Israelites, Israelites grumbled to Moses. And it says, therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and they said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? And why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and they grum, people grumbled against Moses and they said, why did you bring us out of, up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Suddenly poor Moses is the baddie. It's trouble sometimes with leadership. It's good when it's good and it's bad. you're the baddie when it's bad. And everyone grumbles. And what do they want to do? They want to go back and be slaves again. They forget the promised land and they start to lose their faith in God. The enemy starts to take their faith away. They stop expecting God to provide for them. They start to stop to lose their faith. And you and I can do exactly the same. Have you ever done this? God's done amazing things. Then you hit a barrier and you think, I don't even know that God exists. I'm not even going to go to church anymore. Because God didn't answer my prayer. I don't even think he exists. And if he does, I don't think he's very nice. And it actually says, and he called, Moses called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, is the Lord among us or not? It's a little bit hard to understand what it means to test the Lord, but I think of it like this. If I'm going for a test, say you're going for your driver's licence, okay, and you're going for the driver's test, and you say to the tester, could you drive? And the driver's and the tester says, this is not my test. It's your test. I go, yeah, but I don't really like it. And anyway, I want to hurry up because I'm going to the movies tonight. So could you drive for me? That would be ludicrous. But this is what we tend to do for, to God. We go through times of trial and we say, you prove yourself. Prove yourself to me. Prove that you exist. Prove that you love me. And he looks and thinks, it's not my test. It's yours. I am faithful. I am true. I've proven myself to you over and over again. I gave my life for you on the cross, by the way. I've proven myself true. But where do you stand with me? And Jesus actually said, but when the Son of Man comes back, will he find faith? And the enemy will come to destroy your faith. And when your faith is when you are tempted to lose faith, that's when you start to do other things that are not good for you, when you lose your faith. And then to lose our love. Now it says at the end, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When you put your faith and trust and your love is devoted to serving him, honouring him in everything that you do, uh, you won't give that power of Worship to anyone or anything else. But as I said a couple of weeks ago, we do give power and honor to a lot of things that aren't worthy of honor our worries, our cares, our troubles, our strife. We give them a lot of power. We um, think about them through the night. We complain about people. We do all these things and we give them a lot of weight and power. And he's saying, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Trust in him. Believe that He's going to bring you through in everything. Believe, as it says at the end of Romans 8, that you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you and nothing can separate you from his love and you will see great victory. So ask yourself, whenever you're going through a time of trial and you feel overwhelmed, am I giving up my hope, am I giving up my faith and am I giving up my love? And you'll see it happen in your relationships. As you give up your love for God, you will... Find yourself becoming in more smaller little groups with other people. You'll see the result happening. It's not a, it's not a healthy way to live. And so we ask ourselves these questions. So I just want to show you this little video to show you what God is doing in your time of trial if you realize it's not just a list of what you can and can't do. It's actually a test to make you grow stronger, and become the person that you're called to be, and then to go into all the world and bring transformation to the world. And this little video is uh, from Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. And he was one of the greatest philosophers and Christian thinkers of last century. He wrote lots of great books. The Narnia Chronicles are called children's books, but I first read them when I was an adult and I actually think they're for everyone. And they have an amazing way of unpacking the gospel for you. But just to get this little, if you don't understand the story, just to get this in context, these children have walked through a wardrobe door and into the land of Narnia, which, where it is uh, always winter and never Christmas. And there is a, a wicked witch called the White Witch who is hunting them down because she's holding this whole world in her spell of ice and snow and she wants to capture them, to turn them into stone She's not a fun person and they encounter Father Christmas who gives them gifts. Now, you've got to remember, three kids walk through a wardrobe. Their parents aren't there. They are lost. They don't know how to get home. They're being chased by a wicked witch and they come across Father Christmas and you might think that he would, might give them a quick pass to get home and find mum and dad again. In their trial, that's what happens. Let's have a look and see what they actually get.
0: It certainly is, Lucy, since you have arrived.
1: Look, I've put up with a lot since I got here, but this... We thought you were the Witch.
0: Yes, I'm yes, sorry about that, but uh, in my defense, I have been driving one of these longer than the Witch.
1: I thought there was no Christmas in Narnia. No,
0: not for a long time. But the hope that you have brought your Majesties is finally starting to weaken the Witch's power. Still, I dare say, you could do with these. Presents! (laughs) The juice of the fire flower. One drop will cure any injury. And though I hope you never have to use it. Thank you, sir. But I think I could be brave enough. I'm sure you could. Battles are ugly affairs. Susan. Trust in this bow, and it will not easily miss.
1: What happened to. Battles are ugly
0: affairs. <laughs> and though you don't seem to have a problem making yourself heard, blow on this, and wherever you are, help will come. Thanks. Peter, the time to use these may be near at hand. These are tools, not toys. Bear them well and wisely. Now, I must be off. Winter is almost over. Things do pile up when you've been gone a hundred (coughs) years. Long live Aslan! And Merry Christmas!
1: So what do they get? They don't get a ticket home. The gifts that they get enable them to go to win a battle and they win a battle and they bring hope to people and the snow starts to melt and spring starts to come. And he says this, the hope that you have brought, your majesties, is finally starting to weaken the witch's power. And I believe God looks at you as your majesties, because he's brought you into his heavenly kingdom as his sons and daughters. And he's saying the hope that you bring to this world will finally weaken the enemy's power. So will you be a person who grows strong in faith and hope and love? And when you pray, will you pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or save me in that time of trial and deliver me from evil because only with your strength can I do it. But will you anticipate God doing great things through you that bring hope into the world so that you will guard and protect yourself and you will do everything you can in your power to train yourself for battle and particularly by knowing the Word of God. And it's up to you to do it. We leaders can only give you so much, daily devotions, weekly teaching, connect groups. But I tell you, one of the ways that I've learnt the Word of God myself is to work out how I pass the test. You do it your way. You can wing it if you want to, but you know I don't care if you wing it to pass a maths test. I do care if you wing it to pass an English test, but if you pass a maths test, yeah, I, you can wing it if you want to. But when it comes to eternal life, don't wing it. Grab it with everything within you. Grab it, and not just for yourself. Be like the guy I was talking to you about. Train yourself up so that others can be rescued. Train yourself up for the sake of others. Don't just do it for yourself. Jesus didn't do it for himself. He did it for you and he said, come and follow me. So um, I'd just like to call the worship team back up and I'd love to invite you to stand and let's, let's pray together. It's a big calling to be a follower of Jesus. But the good thing is he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He makes it easy if you trust in him. You will go through trouble that will put you down, but he makes it easy if you trust in him. And as a friend of others in the room and who followers of Jesus, be there for them when they're going through the time of trial. Don't send them through it by themselves or tell them like Job's friends did why they're there. Sit with them and love them and pray that uh, God will bring a breakthrough and they will see a victory like the re- resurrection from the dead in every situation that they're facing. So let's pray. Father, As we go through times of trial, perhaps we're going through some tonight. Perhaps we have been through some and we lost the battle. And it's not too late to step up and start fighting again. As we go into the future, we will go through times of trial. And Lord, may we never be so arrogant as to think we can do this by ourselves. But may we be full of your love full of your strength full of your power may our hope grow our faith grow and our love for you and for people grow ever stronger every, every day and may we be filled to overflowing joy because we dwell in your presence and we know that we are we are victors in you because you have defeated the works of the enemy in Jesus name amen
0: thank you for listening to our sunday podcast if you enjoyed it Either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.